Hey, Tamper Tantrum, what's going on? All right. Let's just dive in. Let's just dive into this. Okay. Ambition drives everyone on this planet in one way or another, and passion in work naturally leads to the desire to improve and to succeed. Maybe it's our caffeine levels, uh, but coffee people seem especially driven, um, even passionate to the point of obsession. I mean, do any of you even have any non-coffee friends anymore? I know I don't. We work in a trade that literally fuels industry in general. Dolly Parton doesn't talk about pouring herself a cup of ambition for nothing. So it's no surprise that we're ambitious or that we're always on the hunt for the latest, uh, most amazing cafe, the best coffees from the best roasters, the next competition trophy, um, the most remote new origin. As we move through our careers and we seek perfect avenues for our passions and our talents, we're trained to check in with that ambition and to heed its call. We ask ourselves, what can I accomplish for myself with my deeds? That's what ambition is. That definition of the word ambition is what I want to talk about today. I want us to explore the usefulness of this traditional type of professional drive within the coffee industry and to learn how we can achieve our goals in a healthy and sustainable way simply by changing our understanding and expectations of ambition. What inspired me to give this talk was years of observing a kind of division of emotional wealth within my generation of specialty coffee. Um, we all see and are inspired by the coffee professionals who are doing amazing work, they're achieving brilliant things, they seem to be shining lights at everything they do with their beautiful Instagram feeds and the constant flowing of perfect geisha coffees all the time. Uh, then there are other people, we see these two, who perpetually feel underappreciated or unnoticed. Um, they're stressed out and they're dissatisfied with their jobs. Maybe they bounce from place to place and from role to role within the industry looking for the next best thing. They're coiled like a spring about to pop. Sometimes they do pop. Usually on social media, it gets pretty ugly. On the outside, we describe these types of people, both of them, as being ambitious. So what's the difference between them? What makes one happy and the other miserable? The difference, I think, is that the more traditional definition of the term ambition, what can I accomplish for myself with my deeds? When we attempt to answer that question, we have to think about what success looks like. There are the usual time-tested metrics for marking success, of course, uh, fancy job titles, material wealth, passport stamps. But part of what makes us special is that we're not part of a traditional group of professionals. I think that we need to think non-traditionally and reward non-traditional success in non-traditional ways in order to really mature as a segment of the industry. I believe that using these existing standards creates the potential to hurt us rather than to help us. Not just as individuals, but as a trade. Studies, <laughs> studies like one published in 2012 by Timothy Judge, who's a professor of management at Notre Dame's Mendoza College of Business, prove that highly ambitious people don't actually live happier or longer lives 
than people who um, consider themselves to be less driven. Professor Judge tracked 700 people for 70 years um, and found that those who said to be, uh, con considered themselves less driven actually expressed more overall contentment with their lives. The self-proclaimed ambitious people, especially those who failed to achieve what they thought of as being professional goals and expectations, died considerably earlier than the other group of people. And I don't know about you, but if I die early in my life, I want to go down on a blaze of espresso glory, not because I didn't achieve some kind of a job title or a raise or a promotion. Obviously, success for coffee professionals is going to look a lot different than in real estate and in law and in medicine. Um, but how do we define success in our industry? Is it the mastery of certain skills? Is it increased power or visibility within a company or within the industry at large? Uh, is it an increased salary or the number of frequent flyer miles we log? Invitations to speak at tantor tantrum? Um, these are marks on our professional growth chart. Uh, on their face, these metrics seem harmless enough. They're pretty standard. But in reality, most of them are deeply skewed and rooted in biases that do us harm. Um, they reward certain individuals while stifling the achievement and empowerment and ability of others. They're subtle. Sometimes they even count as microaggressions. Um, they appear in the form of a required undergraduate college degree in a, in a job posting for an entry-level coffee job. Um, Sometimes they appear as the expectation that a new employee must lift 50 pounds. Um, they're the insistence on an expensive dress code to work a job that pays minimum wage. Um, they're promotions granted to employees who speak up and take the lead on projects and within a team, um, behaviors that women and people of color have been discouraged from doing for generations. Um, they're the nearly universal lack of health care and mental health care for people who work in an industry that's both very physical and very emotionally and mentally challenging. What we need to consider then are the ways that we do and don't set people up for success in this industry and how we use this success as a yardstick to determine what makes a certain type of ambition healthy. The more we use this feedback loop to be our predominant measure for the perceived ability and reasonable reward, the more we limit the growth of an industry that can be dynamic, organic, diverse, and healthy. Basically, we end up calling ourselves specialty, but there's really nothing special about it. Our reliance on these traditional standards of success inspires self-obsession without self-awareness. When a peer announces a move from a job or a resignation from a position, we immediately ask them, where to next? Instead of, how do you feel about the job you just did? In other words, we ask, what did you accomplish for yourself with your deeds? What would happen if we started to look at ambition differently and measured it using different standards? We'd have the potential to change our concept of success and to create situations where people worked together with a team rather than as individuals in a team. We would be able to foster our own growth and empower our peers to accomplish more and achieve a more complete sense of satisfaction and fulfillment. 
Companies can create and nurture this more fluid, organic view of ambition by identifying and rewarding skills and the skills of team members while also creating ways for those individuals to work in complementary and collaborative ways. Every single human being on Earth needs recognition in order to improve and grow their expertise. Psychologists Jerome Kagan and Howard Moss say that it may actually be impossible to measure the desire to improve a skill separate from an individual's desire for recognition. That means, bosses, that your, that your employees' ambition and their growth is as much on you as it is on them. Uh, growth and development depends on environment. A hermit crab will outgrow its shell and die looking for the next largest shell. But a turtle will grow with its shell based on the space of the environment that it's given to live in. The turtle is always content. It always has its home. And the hermit crab is never content. And nobody wants to be the hermit crab. So I propose that instead of what can I accomplish for myself with my deeds, we should ask, what can I accomplish with myself through my deeds? Instead of looking at ambition as the chapters that mark a hero's progress against individual obstacles within the plot line of a story, it would become the character's motivation throughout the story, a foundation that drives every decision and every deed so that every new level and every goal is in line with the hero's mission and vision in the story. What is my character motivation? What makes me move forward? For instance, not to make it all about me, uh, but I am the one standing up here at this microphone. Um, my ambition in my career is to make coffee easier for everyone that I encounter. And that might seem obvious for my work as an educator or my work in writing, um, but I've actually found ways to use it as my character motivation in sales now as well. Um, it might mean that I make myself more available to answer questions that other salespeople wouldn't traditionally uh, sit through. Um, it might mean that I take the time to talk to people through the coffees that they're sampling and ask them what they really want. Sometimes it just means that I listen to somebody on the phone. Um, when I complete an interaction, whether it's with a customer or with a colleague, I ask myself, did I help that person accomplish something? Did I make it easier for them or did I make it harder? If the answer is that I've made it easier for them, then I have been successful. That is my sole ambition. I've also actively considered what this would look like if I had another job in the coffee industry, if I was a cafe owner or a coffee roaster or a coffee green buyer. Um, imagining every possibility and every scenario means that every possibility and scenario is open to me, whether or not I know it. So coffee professionals, your goal now is to identify your ambition, meaning identify the motivation for your character in this industry. That's what you will use to drive your deeds. This will be the new mark of your success. You will be your own yardstick. You will accomplish things with yourself. Redefining ambition is a group effort, and it requires a lot of trust, vulnerability, and practical, objective, self-evaluation. Uh, there are tangible and immediate things that every one of us can do to realize this new sense of ambition, um, the values of our new sense of success. Uh, 
first. <laughs> somewhere, this is homework, by the way. Um, somewhere where you can see it and refer to it. I want you to write down every place and every role in the coffee industry that you can possibly think of that your ambition can be put to good use. So if your ambition in coffee is to make the quality of coffee better, write down everything that impacts the quality of coffee and where you can contribute to that. Even if these things aren't uh, in line with your immediate skills or even your immediate interests right now, you have to understand the context of the world that you live in in order to make sense within that world. Uh, if you were in a play and you only listened to the lines that you were speaking, your performance wouldn't make any sense at all. You would be a stranger in a world of strangers on the stage rather than existing within the universe that those people were giving to you. So you have to understand your own context. Adopting a personal, individual mission in coffee will only be effective if there are companies that are forward-thinking and people-centric enough to hire and nurture those ambitions. So I'm talking to all the bosses right now for a second. Every manager, every boss, every HR director should take a step back and think about what the real requirements are for a position and eliminate or reevaluate the perceived requirements that cause unnecessary blocks to innovation and diversity. Does that position really require an undergraduate degree? What if my undergraduate degree is in art history? Um, is there a suitable substitution, like relevant job experience or a letter of recommendation from someone in the field or in another field? Um, can you make that explicit in a job description? When you create a new position or hire to fill an existing one, really think about the qualities you want in the person who is the best match. Judge a candidate by what they have achieved with themselves rather than for themselves. Another thing I always recommend for people who are searching for their way in specialty coffee is to identify the individuals and companies who inspire you and don't be afraid to reach out to them. Not to beg work and not to ask for recognition for yourself, but to give recognition, to tell someone that you're inspired by what they do and you want to ask questions and get to know them. How did you get to where you are? How much do you like your job? What percentage of the time do you like doing what you're doing? And listen when they give the answers. You usually be really surprised what people will tell you about themselves and what they've achieved in their careers. Find good in everything, even when you're complaining. And complaining is totally allowed. Um, remember that solutions will always be positive, so you have to think about problems in a positive way. Problems are opportunities, and complaints are obstacles to those opportunities. Without problems and your ability to solve them, specialty coffee doesn't need you, so be grateful that there are problems. Be honest with yourself and with the degree of satisfaction that you feel in your current role and position, and analyze your situation as objectively as possible. If you feel underappreciated in your job, consider turning that feeling around and offering your appreciation to someone or something else, because like attracts like. If you feel like you've reached a plateau in your career, 
reach out to someone who can teach you something, especially if it's something you know absolutely nothing about. Even better yet, turn around and offer to teach someone else. Nothing in return, just teach them. It's healthy to have goals and to dream of success. Individuals and companies need to have mission statements like a boat needs a rudder. Otherwise, we'd all just be floating out into open water. What I'm suggesting is not that we abandon the uh, desire to achieve, but to find new ways and challenge our definition of what achievement and success and motivation have met up to this point. If we truly mean to make specialty coffee special, maybe it's time we start turning ourselves and our expectations upside down. Aim for impact over power, influence over popularity, and of course, good coffee overall. So, what are you going to accomplish with yourself? Scoot, scoot over here and sit down and have a chat. Well done, that was excellent. I really enjoyed that. Um, I, I can pass this to you when you're ready, don't worry. I always take a, or try to take one line away from most speakers, and I think you can, you can be your own yardstick is something that's going to resonate with me uh, especially, so I think it was a really inspiring talk. You're now in sales. Yep. So for, and I think a lot of people here, even if sales isn't your job, it's a huge aspect of what we all do. It's important. Uh, how brave is it for a company to put non-traditional ambitions at the forefront for people in sales? Uh, I mean, that's a great question because sales is one of, I mean, we're all in sales, like everyone in specialty coffee is in sales, but I think that traditionally sales has a built-in metric, which is how much product are you moving? Um, and it's really important, and I think that in specialty coffee in particular, in the cafe level, at the, even at the farm level, at the uh, importer level, at the roaster level, we have this opportunity to say, I mean, we're going to sell coffee. You, you kind of, you know, if you do it right and you have passion, you're going to sell coffee. But are you selling coffee the right way to the right people? And that will, you know, it drives the whole chain, right? Because selling the right coffee to the right people means you're buying the right coffee for the right people, for the right reasons, and in the right way that's sort of in line with your values. And so the really interesting thing about the job that I'm doing is that I'm not uh, measured by how much, how many bags of coffee I move as much as I'm measured by the types of sales that I make? What are the strengths in the relationships that I develop? What are the ways that I'm able to connect with people and to get them what they want? Um, you know, people always ask, uh, what region do you work in? It's like, I don't really work with regions. We work with personalities. They're like, what a cheesy thing to say, but it's actually really true. Um, you know, there have been people that I haven't connected with and I have introduced them to a colleague and said, maybe this person's a better fit for you. Maybe they taste more like you, you know, when you're on the cupping table or, um, so I think that it's a really brave way for a company to sort of say, obviously we're motivated by sales, obviously we need to turn a profit, but there are ways to achieve that that are less mercenary and look more at the, the way that the people that we're dealing with need things and how we can fill those needs. Yeah. And ultimately we'll help develop the people within that business better. Exactly. You want to get some questions from the audience? Yeah. Um, this is your chance to ask Meister a question. So has anybody got a question that they'd like to throw out here? 
I'm going to try and launch myself into the crowd. This is going to be good. <laughs> Sometimes dive. he crowd surfs. Hi, good morning. Uh, I want to toss uh, this out there. I am Brian Gaffney, probably one of the few guys who does not work in coffee at all. So uh, I acknowledge the <laughs> ignorance of my question up front. Um, but for me, within corporate America, one of the trends that we probably started seeing seven years ago is that managers are often compensated based upon how well their staff does. So it's not simply a matter of, hey, how well am I doing as a manager, but how well are my people doing? How well are they developing? How well are they meeting their goals? Is that something that happens in specialty coffee? And if not, is there an opportunity or room to start looking at that as a model? Oh, wow, that's a great question. It's definitely, it's, everything's going to be case by case, right? But I definitely think that there are segments of the industry where that happens more and where it happens less. You see more um, creative approaches to teams and to management um, you know, in certain segments of the industry. And I think it also depends on uh, the inspiration behind the people who are starting companies and what they want to achieve, you know? You kind of have to find the people whose values you're, are, you know, you are in line with to work with them. Sometimes you don't know that until you're in it and you take a look around, you've been with a company for a year and you go, I don't think I realized that my values weren't in line because I was just showing up and doing the work that I was told to do and hired to do. But I think we do have a, the opportunity to look at how corporate America works and how it doesn't work. And obviously, um, a lot of specialty coffee is corporate America. That's, you know, to say otherwise is a little bit naive. But I think that there is, there's corporate America and then there are corporations in America that can be, I mean, they're more cooperative. Oh God, am I gonna coin a phrase about Cooperative America? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Let's just do it. Let's just, let's, let's turn this into cooperative America. Um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of people who are reading a lot of the books that are more forward thinking, a lot of the person-centric um, business philosophy that, that really even eliminates that traditional idea of management. The management being more like a facilitation than a than a leader or, or the, you know, like herding the cattle. More just saying like, oh, that the person whose job it is to identify person X and person Y have different skills, they can use those skills together rather than rewarding person X for having a certain set of skills while punishing person Y. Um, so yeah, I think that there's definitely a lot of room for that. Yeah, I think that was a great question because generally coffee shops get busier. Uh, and it's, it's hard to look at a manager and say, you're not doing your job if that's happening. So I think it's a, it's a good point. Do we have time for another question? Jen's in charge here. Uh, she tells us what to do. Would anybody else like to ask a question? Mr. Perger. Hey, Meister. Hey, yeah. um, Do you have any uh, takeaways for helping people find their own personal yardsticks? Or do you have any examples of personal yardsticks that have worked for you or others in the past? Oh, wow. Or is that, like, too introspective and personal? There's no such thing as too <laughs> introspective and personal. Um, uh, yeah, I definitely have seen people struggle in roles that they've had. Especially, I mean, I think you find this a lot with baristas who are working the line. They work sh bar shifts for years. And you kind of reach a point where you're like, I really like aspects of coffee, I don't see how I will move into another position. If I stay at this cafe, I'm going to get burnt out, right? And I'm going to start throwing 
coffee at people. But, um, but I don't see how else to achieve because we also have this sense of like the people who are achieving the most, they follow a certain trajectory or they go to school and they, f they study a certain thing that seems to put them in line with a particular job. And I think that the best thing that all of us can do, especially as we're trying to find our own motivation, is to really boil those people down to their essence, like what makes them connect with other people, what makes them connect with the industry, because we're not traditional. We don't have trade schools or degrees that we can really follow or you know, more traditional ways of, of really identifying and following those goals. Um, so I think it's a, really, it's a really personal thing that we have to sort of think about what, what you enjoy. Like, okay, I work as a barista. I really like the coffee, but I don't really like the, the customer service. Okay, well, a huge section of the industry is customer service focused, but a lot of it isn't, you know. There are other ways to really drive your interests. And then find people that are doing that work and then ask them, you know, how much do you like this job? Like, what, what would you change if you could change it? Uh, I think we need to communicate with each other a lot more and a lot more openly, for sure. And I also think that we need to stop com complaining. I'm complaining about people complaining. God, all we do is complain. Um, but I do think that it's easy to fall into a rut of coming home every day and being like, oh, I hate it, I hate everything. And you have to remember that, I mean, unless you have a solution or unless you're working toward a solution, you are part of the problem that you're complaining about. So we have to sort of think more positively as an industry, I think. I think a fantastic way to open the first, uh, first speaker. Please, a huge round of applause for Meister.